Defense of Humanity. This is Austria's Oz Miller. Today I'm joined by Trey Lapine. Trey, please introduce yourself. Uh, hello, can you hear me? How's this yes. Going? Awesome. Um, I'm Trey Lapine. I'm a uh, biology and philosophy student hoping to um, acquire a doctorate in biology um, and be a college professor. I, um, I spend a lot of my free time being uh, politically and economically as knowledgeable as I can, kind of hobbyist. Um, I don't know. I, most of my accolades are, are pretty like bog standard academic, haha, I have good GPA kind of accolades, um, which I think are a bit less interesting when it comes to figuring out what kind of people people are, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Do a lot of community service work. Uh, I'm here to talk about... Um, internet political radicalization which is something that i've kind of been hobby mm-hmm. studying for years at this point mm-hmm. excellent excellent well as trey has said we're going to talk about internet radicalization um trey if you'd like to get started then i could sort of guide the conversation um to help you out but i'm sure you don't need it so go ahead uh, oh flattery always gets you somewhere um <laughs> so uh, what I've been most interested in, in this like like um, this sort of political radicalization you can find online, right, is mm. um, like what are the channels in which like quote unquote recruitment takes place, right? Okay, okay. Um, and I kind of see a couple pathways, um, both to the left and the right. When I say left, I mean like for political radicalization purposes, I don't mean like liberal. I mean like left, left, like social like communist. Okay. And like Antifa, anarchism, um, communism, so- socialism, mm-hmm. anarcho-syndicalism. And then on the right, I mean, uh, alt-right, fascism, Nazism, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a hypothetical like monarchism, even though it's not really a thing a lot of people advocate for currently. Um, yeah. And I think the, like, the most interesting place to look at it is probably YouTube for me. Okay. Um, because of how the YouTube like recommendation algorithm works right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah it creates these um like these channels basically that will take someone from relatively harmless content to like literal neo-nazi propaganda uh if like kept unchecked it's it's really kind of weird stuff um and it's tied pretty tightly with like um incel culture and this like anti-sjw youtube culture Mm. Um, and mm-hmm. it's also tied in really tight with like atheist uh, and anti-spiritual um, like yes. YouTube uh, um, channels and things like that. And all these like pathways exist that basically take people from like benign hobbies, like learning a little bit of philosophy or learning some politics or like watching anime or like liking Gundam or something. Um, and then in a couple months, you accidentally go down a like a like a rabbit hole of 10, 15 YouTubers and you end up watching like I hypocrite and now you hate Jewish people. Um, mm-hmm. It's really terrifying, but kind of fantastically uh, interesting, at least for me. Yeah, yeah, that sounds interesting. I've noticed this as well, that um, some of my uh, close friends watch um, philosophers on YouTube or I sometimes they're called like street um, epistemologists. Yeah. 
And then I'm watching them like, I mean, they're getting the idea across, but they're leaving out significant points in order to lead you to an assumption. Mm-hmm. And then it goes down. Then I look in the recommendations. You have like, um, what is it? Like a skeptic guy who's an atheist as well. You have Mr. Atheist, who I quite like. Yeah. But then there are other suggestions as well that keep going farther and farther. And eventually you get Ben Shapiro and Jordan Peterson. I'm like, here's the fork. This is where you make the decision. That'll affect your recommendations yeah. for the rest of all time. Yeah, no, 100%. And um, there's a lot of like chains, right? And mm-hmm. like a like literal, you can look, it goes from this YouTuber to this YouTuber to this YouTuber to this YouTuber. And I've spoken to a lot of people about this, not that anecdotes are particularly important, but a lot mm-hmm. of people have very similar stories of like political radicalization to either the left or the right. Um, and it's really weird how basically it always starts with like some massive cultural event, right? Like mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. Gamergate happened and a bunch of people got mad about like women in video games and stuff. And yes. um, a bunch of YouTubers, people like Shoe on Head and people like Chris Reagan, started making like anti-SJW, anti-social justice warrior content. And okay. I, ha- I have no distaste for Shoe on Head or, um, or Chris Reagan, mm-hmm. right? But the people that show up in the recommendeds of your videos, if you watch too much Shoe on Head or Chris Reagan, are like a little bit more skeptical, right? And then mm-hmm. you end up at like um, Shoe on Head's fiance, Armored Skeptic. And then you end up at like some of the less um, like less amicable like atheist YouTube channels or philosophical YouTube channels. And then yeah. all of a sudden you find yourself in very, very uh, like muddy, dirty waters. Um, it also happens on the left as well. But mm-hmm. uh, those pathways generally don't come from like a cultural event. They come kind of as a response to this right-wing um thing right because in the mid 2010s or so everything was dominated by the right and they'd say like the left is too uh, cowardly to debate us you can't beat us on youtube we have all these million subscriber youtube channels like stefan molyneux who has like half a million subs and sardana vakad who has like half a million subs and stefan molyneux is basically in like an like a like a ancap and sardana mm-hmm. vakad is like this uh authoritarian right british guy who like pretends yeah. authoritarian right basically it's pretty funny mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah. one one just to interrupt you for oh, yeah, one yeah. second yeah is sargon of akkad the the british youtuber is he actually um an eight thousand year old man is he actually the sargon <laughs> you know oh, of course he it's, it's somebody has to be uh <laughs> no okay. uh he 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 has the in it when he has the prep time and he has the ability to make his own YouTube content. Mm-hmm. He can have the rhetorical talent to come off as someone that wise, but in live debates, he kind of gets trashed. Uh, okay. okay, like when he makes his own like forty-five minute YouTube video, at least the older ones. The newer ones are kind of dropping in quality because he's losing popularity. But like at peak Sargon, his videos are actually pretty high quality content. Even if I don't like the subject matter, the problem is mm-hmm. like in live like formats, the man is a, like a brick wall. Um, okay. And I think he has a lot of pretty contentious, like almost disgusting points. But that's me. Um, I think like there's there's also this um, like tendency to because of how prevalent the the alt right was with stuff like Charlottesville, and because of how prevalent a lot of people. Um, like how prevalent like incel culture is for a lot of people to like experience. Yeah. We kind of focus on the political right having um like this the only pathway. Um, 
and the political left has similar pathways if less prominent but they're they're gaining in power now mm-hmm. right um like there's this concept called bread tube have you ever heard of bread tube yes yeah um you've got people like philosophy tube who is a delightful british actor man who talks about politics mm-hmm. um h bomber guy is very very big a lot of people found out about bread tube through h bomber guy who has made videos about like companies profiting off of like uh lgbt awareness and things like that and like responses to climate change deniers and flat earth deniers and things like that um and there's people like spice eight rack who is like a bread tube youtuber who does magic the gathering content um okay and um there's all this really like they create their own sort of chain right because when you start at chris reagan and shoe on head which are like these more centrist kind of um, like they're just like lean left, lean right, as opposed to very hard either side YouTubers. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. when you're recommended, you don't get Sargon of Akkad. Sometimes you get Destiny, who is probably the biggest leftist YouTuber. Like, yes, yeah, I actually watched Destiny. Yeah, um, you end up getting Destiny from Chris Reagan and you and from Shoe on Head. And while I'm not, I'm not like the hugest Destiny fan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Destiny is a is is an excellent rhetorician and is fantastic at debate like like mm-hmm. un- undoubtedly mm-hmm. um one of the best debaters like the modern political left has it's just this youtube guy destiny it's very very goofy um yeah but then you watch destiny's content and your recommended starts getting filled up with thought slime and sean and three arrows and vosh and you get to like the intellectual left that is like opposed Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. like diametrically opposed to your petersons and your shapiros and your james also yes yeah yeah um and it's super interesting how basically like gamergate happens or there's a big cultural event or you're in like um like a nerdy hobby group or subculture right and then you accidentally stumble on one chris reagan video and then six months later you're a communist or a nazi um i bit, bit of hyperbole there obviously but um it's there it's super intriguing uh just watching all of this go down um yeah especially given the context of um like the modern political climate which is obviously a very um very radical political uh climate it's gotten to the point where like people on the left and the right at least in like america can have very similar beliefs uh with like Mm. minor shifts right like different opinion on gun control or a different opinion on like welfare right but a majority of the same opinions on how the economy and the country should be run and they'll hate each other where in like absolutely a bunch of other countries right like in britain they might even be in the same political party just different sects of it but in america they are literally Mm -hmm. like complete opposites in the eyes of like um like the populace and yeah uh watching this kind of take place just sort of again but even further radicalized like on youtube um is it's this weird microcosm that like mimics the mass american culture except they just go farther right because Mm -hmm. it's not within the like overton window you know like the acceptable sphere of what can be talked about in in broad daylight politics right that's the overton window more or less um it's not within the overton window to be a nazi it's not within the overton window to be like a I read Kropotkin anarchist or like an like a like a Leninist or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but on YouTube and on these like online groups, uh, whether it be like a Chan website or a subreddit 
or you're a fan of a specific podcast like Chapo Trap House um, or like the Ben Shapiro show, it is easier to avoid the like the cultural um, like the, like the poor cultural view that we have towards like uh, that the general populace has towards communism or Nazism. So uh, because of like the anonymity offered via the internet and like the echo chambers that are more easily accessible via the internet, the American mm -hmm. political system in general public of, of, of people is like a little bit left and a little bit right. One might even argue both are right of center, but one of them is more to the left and one of them is more to the right. Um, mm -hmm. on, on like YouTube or on these Chan forum websites, you end up being complete opposites of the political spectrum it's not i like joe biden i like john mccain or whatever i like um obama i like trump right it becomes mm. i like um marx and lenin or mm -hmm. i like ayn rand and machiavelli yes um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is um just kind of weird to watch unfold i guess as a younger person in this um in this day and age, I guess it's 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 hard for me to think uh, of a event, at least in recent history, or like a development in recent history, quite like the internet when it comes to political radicalization. Just mm. because the internet is such a weird, unique way of dissemination of ideas. Yeah, yeah, um, um. yeah. I, I, the the next thing that I can talk about, right? is kind of this more specific, I guess, breakdown of um, how someone could end up going from like, I enjoy nerd culture or I enjoy anime to being becoming almost like a social outcast or an incel type. Like I can break down some of these steps they go through, which is pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, unless you have mm -hmm. any direction you'd like the conversation to go or any like questions to ask. No, no, I have, I have no specific direction yeah. for the conversation. I just... I want to sort of speak on, um, does this political um, radicalization through the internet also include um, terrorist organizations like being converted slowly over time in one of these Chan websites to, let's say, ISIL or ISIS? Yeah. Um, do, you, do you consider these political conversions as well? Because first you have to get the, the, the mindset change and then you move on to the faith part of yeah. it. Um, the reason that I think those groups end up being like a part in this chain, right, is um, at least for the political right. Um, the reason I think that like th those kind of groups, um, like those kind of terrorist organizations are, are possibly part of this chain, or at least not becoming a member, but possibly becoming like a sympathizer for a group like that is part of this chain hmm. is because... Um, a lot of these people who end up becoming incels or who end up becoming alt-right or who end up becoming like a neo-Nazi, white identitarian, ethno-nationalist, whatever they want to call themselves, um, they do it because of like a lack of identity, like a lack of group identity, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm, like there mm -hmm. are correlations between um, like neglected, uh, like, ne like neglect in the childhood and yes. being more susceptible to being pulled into groups like this, right? So there's a normal, uh, more likely than not, cishet, straight, uh, white dude who's like 17, right? Um, who is on a board somewhere talking about their favorite 
manga or their favorite episode of game of thrones um or they're reading like comic books online or whatever and then they're like okay i'm kind of lonely right i have this um this like need in my heart to feel like an identity or a group or whatever and that makes them more susceptible to things like political radicalization and faith changes yes um so they can end up going i'm a lonely guy who enjoys white boy shit like i want to play halo and read Mm -hmm. comic books and watch anime and uh date a pretty cosplayer girl or whatever i don't know um and then they go from that to there's like one or two guys in that group who make like one offhanded comment about something that's like vaguely Mm. politically right and if you do that over and over again, eventually they build a trust and rapport with these people who are like secret representatives of uh, like alt-right groups or um, of groups that sympathize with um, like terrorist organizations or whatever. And you find these people starting to not have a problem with the, um, the system, right? that led to them being neglected or led to them being isolated or led to them being lonely. And because mm-hmm. of this outside influence of these, of these people who are already converted already like bigots already racist, whatever they don't blame society. They don't blame the system. They don't like blame like capitalism or electoral politics or the dying planet or um, the way our society views gender roles or whatever, toxic masculinity. They don't blame that they have a little like whisper in their ear that says, Hey, remember when we talked about green lantern, you can trust me. You aren't the problem. Mm. The system's not the problem. It's the black people. It's the Jews. Yeah. It's the women who are subhuman. And a lot of these Mm. people who are like, whether it be intentionally or unintentionally recruiting people through these um, places are while not excellent rhetoricians, they're good enough mm-hmm. to convert someone who's lonely and primed to be converted after months of being friends with them. Of course. Um, and because of that, it's really easy for people to like slippery slope from man. I just want to read green lantern to the reason I'm depressed is because women need to be enslaved. Um, and they're too free and their sexuality being owned by women is a problem that oppresses me. Right. Um, and uh, like I saw a comment on a YouTube video on a, on a Vosh video of someone who like laid out their story, right? And literally mm. they write out, hey, I was lonely and was watching philosophical and anti-religious content because of the religious oppression I faced at the hands of my parents, right? And because mm. of that, I found skeptic content and I found more nerdy groups. And because of this skeptic content and nerdy groups, I was eventually brought to more politically right-leaning friends and anti-SJW content. And then eventually it wound up uh, with me being at fascist content that was kind of described to like, like kind of disguised as politically analytical content where you end up at someone's mm-hmm. channel like Sargon of Akkad or Steven Crowder or Stefan Molyneux or like no bullshit TV or whatever. Um, and they just kind of, and it's this sort of channel that makes it impossible for me to be mad at incels or mm. all i feel for incels or people who have fallen down this slippery slope is uh like like endless amounts of uh, of sympathy uh because genuinely 
a lot of these people are a few good conversations and a few like caring friends away from being just as just as anti-nazi as the general populace is you know yes yeah for sure i've always found it interesting um that white supremacists and these neo-nazis uh white nationalists Mm -hmm. white identitarians are so open to listening to ben shapiro um yet claim they they hate jews (laughs) and are starkly anti-semitic anti-muslim um yeah, then they, they tout Ben Shapiro uh, and they, they hate every other nation but the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Then they have Jordan Peterson, a Canadian. Uh, this, is, this is very comedic to me. It almost seems like a cognitive dissonance because Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro never actually say hate oh, yeah. Jews, uh, anti-Semitic. But people are gathering what they want because they're like, ah, almost all their beliefs match up with mine. So let's yep. just go ahead and add this one and not do any research on their histories. So th- I just keep it rolling. That's an, uh, a thing I've been looking into, into very recently, actually, right? And I think that's why the political left on like YouTube is less big than the political right. Or it's, it's much smaller, mm-hmm. right? And yes, it's growing very quickly. Like channels like Vosh have gone from like 10K to 80K subs in the last six months. Um, and he's becoming like the debate master of YouTube, basically. But for the most part, a lot of them have stagnated and are like flattening out at um, like lower levels than the right-leaning channels. And I think it's because the people on the right, there's only two options, right? It's either cognitive dissonance and they don't like realize that they hate Jews and Ben Shapiro is a Jew, which is comedic, mm-hmm. or they acknowledge that the way they beat the degenerates and the way they beat the commies and the way they beat the people on the political left is by putting aside that one Jewish difference and focusing on joining up with the guy who, while Jewish, agrees with 80% of the things they say. The right has a better ability to put aside their differences and genuinely come together to, uh, to enact uh, like average or general right-leaning policies. Well, like this mm-hmm. leads some small sects of the right not getting everything they want, right? Like the monarchists yes. aren't going to get a, a monarchy. This isn't going to happen. <clears throat> but what mm-hmm. do the monarchists gain by trashing on Ben Shapiro for being Jewish? What do the Nazis gain by trashing on Ben Shapiro for being Jewish? They don't gain anything, right? Because all that does mm-hmm. is disempower the strongest political pundit the right has, basically. When it comes... Yes. So everyone in like the authoritarian right and even most people in the libertarian right sector will just prop Ben Shapiro and Jordan Peterson up even in issues where they aren't mm-hmm, qualified mm-hmm. to speak or are like um because in some areas they are qualified to speak like Jordan Peterson is a qualified yes. psychologist who has written self-help books yes. right um and Ben Shapiro uh, I believe was like a lawyer right and has a law degree yeah yeah he, he, yeah, he, he went, went to law, law school at Harvard yes. right um, and in those areas, those men are obviously, uh, at least in some fashion, qualified to speak on the subject, right? But <clears throat> the neo-Nazi doesn't care about that. They'll just prop Ben Shapiro up as the icon of the right and side with him on every issue because it empowers a mm-hmm, movement that mm-hmm. is closer to theirs, even if it's not as radical. And the left has a lot more infighting um, because the Nazis and the monarchists and the Hoppians and all this can all just agree, at least – they can agree to disagree. The left has 35 types of anarchists that are all at each other's throats at the same time. So they can never build mm-hmm, up these mm-hmm. mass followings to combat the right. Absolutely. Um, 
Absolutely. I, I've been seeing it happen recently. Like very recently, it's been it's been picking up, right? I've been seeing a lot of mm-hmm. uh, political left like tubers, specifically through bread bread tube, right? Like this is what this is their counterattack. The yeah. counterattack is well, ContraPoints, who is the biggest bread tube YouTuber, and we almost had at almost yes. a million subs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shout out to ContraPoints. Um, mm-hmm. She is able to take her audience and say, "Hey guys, Philosophy Tube and Vosh." and these other left tubers and bread tube h bomber guy we might not agree on everything but we're the political mm-hmm. left on youtube and i'm not going to let us keep getting like shit on by ben shapiro um and yes. that's like fine like left quote unquote left unity is finally happening happening on youtube mm-hmm. admittedly it's mm-hmm. difficult to call it left unity because on the right they have both authoritarian right people and libertarian right people so there's like actual right unity one on the left it's mm-hmm. actually just a unity of a bunch of libertarian left people there's not exactly like a massive communist youtuber uh really um there's yes. kind of isn't one so it's not like left unity it's more like anarchist unity but like there's finally this counterattack kind of being put forth by contrapoints mm-hmm. and h bomber guy and ollie at philosophy tube and things like that yeah yeah absolutely so um firstly before i even get into my point I'd like to apologize to everyone who is or may be listening in the future. Um, there are several dogs at my neighbor's home. I don't think they're property of anyone, right? I think they're just <laughs> roamers, and they decided to have a little bark contest in the uh, in the neighbor's yard, which is a mile away, give you. But they are they're definitely trying to hit the high note challenge. Um, but anywho, I have noticed what you were saying this this dispensation of the left unity because um, the right wing, um, I remember watching this, this democratic Democrat commercial. I think it was in 2016. It was like um, elderly people who are pretending to be Republicans. And they're like, Oh, go ahead and protest, do everything. We're going to sit here quietly and we're all going to vote for the same candidate while you guys are nitpicking which candidate you want. Um, and you guys will vote for three different uh, Democratic uh, candidates in the primary and barely get one in who no one actually likes fully. And then you'll you'll do your political rallies and whatnot. But then 30 percent of you won't vote. We're all going to sit here quietly. Some of us will yell and then we're all going to vote because we have some kind of communication system for the same yep. exact candidate. And he's going to win. And then even though it was a joke, Donald <laughs> Trump actually did win. And yeah. it, was, it, was, it was hilarious how accurate it was because I've noticed this specifically with animal rights organizations yeah. like PETA. Everyone knows, uh, you know, they're the biggest animal rights organization in the world. Um, people always talk about them for, oh, how can you love animals and euthanize dogs? They've explained this on multiple points. Um, but then you have one like Garp who works closely with PETA, who's like Georgia, uh, Georgia's um, PETA cooperation right here and they don't necessarily euthanize dogs but they have similar principles so they work together but animal liberation front who none of the members are publicly known because most of the time if somebody claims animal liberation front in public they do it like they they like mention it but they never say anything about it and they're like never saying it because animal liberation front is a terrorist organization environmental terrorist organization so these guys for the most part, there are some that like PETA, do not like PETA at all. And PETA will be like, we don't support Animal Liberation yeah. Front. But as as someone 
who's uh, routinely had like meetings and dinners with PETA because like I met them during high school. So like the president and I, I have her number and we're like just having these chats and then in closed um, in like closed meetings and stuff, you'll have a member of PETA going like, hey, even though publicly we have to disavow ALF as a terrorist organization, if ALF came into a building and we were talking with the owners, we would distract them so that they could steal the animals and release them. Like, we have no problem with ALF in private. In public, we have to say it. Yeah. Yeah, but in in private, absolutely. And ALF has, you know, been been big, like, really in the 80s and early 90s in Europe. Not not so in America, because you'll get (laughs) shot in America if you break into someone's uh, farm. That's true. Uh, But they, they were like, it was like, um, what's yeah. the film, Fight Club, where Tyler organized all the banks and credit unions to be destroyed, but he made sure that he converted as many security guards to get everyone out. This is what ALF did, except they like would uh, incapacitate a bunch of people, make sure they got the roster, so they'd take months to figure out yeah. who was going to be in the building when. And they would get everyone out, whether they had to knock them out or like call them and say hey you're not coming to work today they'd get them out and then they would yeah. destroy the building they'd like bomb it blow it up get out all the animals and this was this was serious so the the fbi was like okay these guys are going too hard eco no wild yeah the, yeah these guys were but the thing is to me yeah they're inciting terror for what they believe yeah. is a good cause right animal liberation yeah. and uh, they're not mm-hmm. killing anyone in the process. They they might be violent towards someone, but they refuse to kill because they're saying humans are animals as well. Even though humans have a choice to be yes. dicks, humans are animals as well. So we can't uh, cross that line because then our entire uh, reason for yeah. being falls apart in oh, the face 100%. of opposition. That's, um, that's super interesting stuff, right? Because... Then you think of like other terrorist events that have happened relatively recently, right? Uh, traditionally, mm-hmm. not always because like eco-fascists are a thing. Traditionally, environmental organizations are like a libertarian left kind of thing. Like if we're thinking of like the flawed political compass, they're like bottom left, um, like in the same area as the bread tube described earlier. Um, and they mm-hmm. are avoiding violence against people for the sake of their cause, right? And then mm-hmm. you look at <clears throat> what were like the largest events in America for like political terrorism recently, uh, religiously motivated mass shootings in the Charlottesville rally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And at both of yes. those kind of events, lots of people died. I'll ignore the shooting one because there's all other many many other factors behind shootings. You know, uh, even if some mm-hmm. were terrorist mm-hmm. acts, mental health, et cetera, et cetera. But Charlottesville specifically, right? Um, people died at Charlottesville. Someone got hit by a car at Charlottesville, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where I I want to point out, um, because because this is where I want to point something out because your your comment about uh, ALF and PETA was really interesting, right? Because PETA has to disavow ALF for good optics, right? Because if they say, "Hey, we support mm-hmm. ALF," uh, well, now PETA looks like it's funding a terrorist organization, right? Uh, yeah. And that, you can't have that fly. Then Peter gets fucking shut down, right? Um, mm. When Charlottesville happened, the most powerful man in the world didn't disavow the people that hit someone with a car and is likely yes. going to be 
reelected the president of the most powerful country in human history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find it really intriguing, right, that there is such a right-leaning bias in modern media, even if there's like the Democratic media channel, that's basically like center-right almost, um, at least in some policies. There's such a right-leaning bias, right, that the most powerful the, the most powerful man in the world can get away with the optics of saying there were good people on both sides and not disavowing actual nazi activism yes and then a group who is an animal rights activism group has to disavow non-murderous eco-terrorists um no i mm-hmm. i will say i don't mm-hmm. condone the actions of the eco-terrorists right um like yes. hey guys political violence is while very useful as proven by many revolutions uh should be an absolute last resort um obviously like if, mm-hmm. if electoralism mm-hmm. fails then that is where the revolution is to take place right um so at least in the current yes. state i think there's still hope for electoralism and i don't advocate political violence so just gotta clarify that because mm-hmm. you know where i'm recording and all that jazz <laughs> yes of course. Um, of course but it's it's weird that there's like there's so much media favor um a lot because like there's so much media favor aligned with the interests of like the right-leaning centrist and the centrist and the right-leaner that the most powerful person in the world doesn't have to disavow nazis but PETA has to disavow Mm -hmm. a group that burns some buildings down and freed some dogs you know um Mm -hmm. and i i really don't know how i feel about that because then you start to go okay um, the U.S. president has made a name for themselves on Twitter, right? Big name for themselves on Twitter. And yes. a, a big part of the early point of this presidency was crushing the public's faith in the news. Um, like, that was what the, the whole Covfefe, fake news, uh, CNN, whatever, whatever, right? That was the purpose was to crush the public's faith in the news that we were reading, right? Um Yes. And now there's like the like someone in such power that can say, yeah, the news, don't trust that, trust me. And somehow the news ended up literally working in his favor for the majority of the presidency. Um, mm-hmm. Which is terrifying, you know, um, and is at least tangentially related to internet political activism. But yeah, no, I, I'm personally going to look into the PETA ALF stuff a bit more. Uh, probably recently. I'm going to jot that down, actually. Mm-hmm. Thank you for bringing that up, because I hadn't really heard about that. Thank you for your for your input. I'm going I'm to jot that one down. Yeah, of course. And then you have um, you have DXA as well, who's also a big organization. I think they're in the film Forks Over Knives, so they, they, they are nonviolent. So they go in, pick up, like, chickens that are dying or dead in, in like, um, mm-hmm. broiler situations. So, you know, like the hen houses. And then they take them out and they stand in a line holding them, like crying mm-hmm. for the death. Um, and then their leader is a lawyer, and he is—he's been threatened with losing his uh, his his like bar accreditation before. Um, but he's he's accredited in multiple states, so he's not worried. But he's been arrested so many times At, during the the filming. He was arrested. Uh, uh, yeah yeah and then it's like the police are there and like the farmhands are like you can't do this and then he they're like so calm and they're like technically we didn't take any of your um of your birds that would be profitable to you anyways you don't want us to show this because you can see and they like get like really fast talking mm-hmm. because you can tell they're emotional 
and they're like, oh, you, you see, this technically isn't infringing upon your business. You don't want people to see this because you know people use their dissonance to avoid what's actually happening yeah. before it gets what to their What organization plate. did you say that was? DXA. Uh, okay. I did. I did. I don't, they're, they're not uh, radical not enough for me to uh, watch. I, I, will, I will look into the DXA uh, probably later today. Thank you very much. I, go- I Google DXA and it says dual yes. energy x-ray absorptiometry. Don't think that's it, chief, but I'll find it. <laughs> nah. Yeah. No, I, I feel like that's um yeah, that, that's about what I got to say, at least on that point. Um yeah. Excellent. <sighs> Do you have anything else? Yeah, direct oh, action direct action everywhere. everywhere. DXE. Okay. D DXE. Direct action anywhere. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm gonna look at that and I'm going to look at that later. Oh, okay. The DXE with a lowercase x. I see. Viewers, go look at them. They do mm. politics for animals. Um, yeah. I. Hmm. What else could I talk about? Um, I can always talk about like what happens after you're in one of these left or right groups, which I think is pretty interesting as well as like a, like the next step forward. That's probably the last big thing I have to say about internet political radicalization. Um. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I've noticed that usually whenever people leave this, like I think of yeah. Westboro Baptist, whenever people leave this organization, they immediately go um, do a massive seminar, uh, not a seminar, a massive yeah. lecture, like a TEDx talk, and they fully say that they that the organization is wrong. They don't support it. They were mistaken. Um, what not yet usually I've seen a few but usually they're like I was naive or whatnot they never fully take um, that's fair like authority or their their own agency to the situation they're like yeah. I was in a bad situation but I've noticed white supremacists um, not religiously affiliated just like um, neo-nazis who who are loosely religiously affiliated but they're usually like yeah I was young I did this I was an idiot I have no one else to blame but myself. I was in a bad situation and I made the wrong choice. I'm having my tattoos removed, yeah. whatnot. I've seen numerous of these. And it's easy enough for me to forgive these people who were radical, like oh, yeah. as far right as you can get. Then a Southern person who throws around the N-word and says, but I'm not racist. Yeah. I'll forgive a neo-Nazi convert far before I'll forgive uh, somebody who, who was arguing with yeah. me why the N-word is racist. I think it's about being earnest, not racist. right? That's like that's what I think it is for me when it comes to forgiveness. I think it's about like this sort of this earnestness, this characteristic of earnesty to the way they speak, right? Because I know people, mm-hmm. are like I don't know if you know this, but like a massive amount of like ex neo Nazis are just like trans, like 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 a disproportionately large amount of ex neo Nazis are trans people that were repressed. Like this is a, this is like a big thing right now that a lot of people mm-hmm. are realizing is like so many of, of the people that are like leaving these neo-nazi circles and coming over to be more centrist or even be like left mm-hmm. are like repressed trans people or like uh repressed members of the lgbtq community in some facet or capacity right who were not given the proper tools to like figure out who they were and to work through these kind of things themselves and then upon getting those tools they escape quote unquote right um and i yeah. feel like 
my ability to forgive somebody depends uh, on this this earnestness on this um, ability to be honest and forthcoming about the situation they went in and how they got out right um so mm-hmm. if someone's like look they're people but i'm not going to use their pronouns you can go okay why not and they'll be like it's just a lot of work whatever yes. you know there's a bunch of excuses and i think okay i would never legislate you to not be able to do that but you're kind of a dick um right like it's completely it's completely mm-hmm. like Oz, if you wanted to like use non-traditional pronouns for me, I don't really care. Like use whatever pronouns you want for me, right? Um, but like mm-hmm. for some people, if if you if you go and you're you you refer to someone uh, like as their correct pronoun, and then you're like, hey, could you refer to me as like she or whatever as a trans person? Um, I've seen people that I thought were generally pretty mm-hmm. nice, pretty centrist politics look at trans friends of mine and say, no, I'm not going to use yeah. preferred pronouns. It's, it seems like a lot of effort, and I go, oh. huh, that seems kind of fucked because I think it's mostly just a respect thing right um so you see that Mm -hmm. happen and i don't have a lot of respect or sympathy for people who are like centrist sympathizers that will use the n-word or will refuse to use someone's preferred pronoun also i think earlier i said the word traditional for pronouns what i meant to say was like my given at birth uh, assigned uh, pronouns not traditional Uh, that's a very loaded word with a lot of context and things like that um all pronouns are valid all people are valid Mm -hmm. uh, trans rights or whatever Mm -hmm. right um then you see someone who, um, but as you said, literally has like a swastika tattoo, who attended Charlottesville and chanted like, you will not remove us or whatever, and held up a, like a tiki torch and mm-hmm. wore their weird, creepy, everyone's wearing the same matching button up. Uh, <laughs> 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 it, it's, it's uncomfortable, they right? They really do. Um, if they come to me and they go, look, dude, I was lonely. Uh, I didn't realize the way I had been raised had isolated me so much from my emotions and from the way the world works. I needed people, and these people filled the need that I needed, like the need that I had to, to be loved and to be in an organization of some kind and to find a bigger purpose than myself, right? Um, and that person <clears throat> comes out and goes, I've grown past that now. I have realized the kind of person I want to be is not that hateful. And I've realized the kind of person I want to be is me. And I can define myself by me or by a, a healthier, kinder group of people, right? And I can dedicate my life to something that isn't hating Jewish people or wanting to be an ethno-nationalist or whatever. And the amount of respect I have for people like mm-hmm. that is through the fucking roof. Um, like, the... The ability to uh, admit when one was wrong, uh, and this goes to everybody. Like I've been, the amount of times I've been wrong in my life is more than the amount of times I've been right, you know? Um, But like if I meet someone who genuinely, and this is something that I've like had to work on very hard, right? Like no one's perfect at this or whatever. And all of us don't like being wrong. Um, But you meet somebody who's genuinely like, dude, I fucked up. I, I'm so sorry. And um, like Mm -hmm. I have like trans friends who people have come to them and been like, dude um like they've been like can i come play D with you again like i've realized the error of my ways i was so fucking lonely i was in the worst place in my life these people took me in and then because i trusted them they put these bad ideas in my head it's not okay you don't need to forgive me but can you um damn those are some of the those those people are far and above some of the most respectable people in the world to me um 
but mm-hmm. on this 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 topic of like religious motivation or like the the religious people not having uh, like not taking the authority for it right uh which is the thing you talked about earlier like people who leave the westboro baptist church saying hey uh like yeah. the way they talk about it and the rhetoric they use kind of seems to imply like they weren't entirely in control right uh by virtue mm-hmm. of how like the beliefs of a lot of these radical religious groups are structured some of the people are going to come out still believing in uh, a religious uh like a tradition or affiliation and there's nothing wrong with that but because of that like if you have it so deeply ingrained in you that there's like a predetermination or predestination or something um it can at times be kind of difficult for someone to speak of like their own free will or whatever um that being said the possible difference mm-hmm. between someone leading a neo-nazi group and taking all of the blame or authority and someone leaving the Westboro Baptist Church and not taking all of the blame and authority is probably something um, incredibly deep and detailed on a case-by-case basis that I am nowhere near qualified to speculate at, other than saying there is possibly a difference Mm -hmm. because of the fact they're leaving a religious group as opposed to like a political group. Um, But even then, some of those political groups eventually dip into the point of being nearly religious when you get to stuff like Nazism. So uh i can't really comment on the specifics of that personally but i do think that's an interesting point for like further discussion or for people to continue to look into uh like reading interviews from people who left the westboro baptist church or who left scientology as opposed to reading interviews from people who left neo-nazi groups or left the alt-right or no longer use 4chan or 8chan or whatever Mm Yeah, yeah, because I'm I'm quite certain there's a lot of diversity in their testimonies, yeah. to use a, a Christian term. Um, but yeah, yeah, because obviously you have a consensus among them whenever they're there. But even that is a spoken consensus, and there's no guarantee that any of them are thinking of the same thing. I think of um, the 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 common uh, linguistics puzzle or like riddle that okay you point at like a like something on a table and you say akan like what does this mean and then it's like is it the cup is it the liquid inside is it the color of the cup the color of the liquid inside is it the table what am i talking about and then they're like oh we're all talking about this you agree yeah and then comes out and the leader's like no you're all wrong but like the leaders of most of these organizations are long dead so it's it's like they slowly evolve and mutate so the original is lost um somewhere but now it's just as genuine now as it was before like because people are oftentimes even southern historians say well the kkk started off as a way to protect uh townsfolk and then they they changed into a racist organization i was like i don't know how how you get from uh, like a protective detail into a uh, a group that hunts down people yeah. and kills um, them. I don't know if you know public. about this, but um, not to like dox either of us because I won't, um, but like there is a town close to where we, uh, where I go, currently go to school and where you went to school in the past, right? Um, there is an area mm-hmm. up there mm-hmm. where all of the old people will tell you the story of a place called Darkie Town. And do you know about Darkie Town? Um, oh, yes. A, yeah, a mutual friend of, yeah, yeah, of yours please, and please ours um, found this book in a cabin um, one time. 
about Darkytown. And I find it interesting to hear about the KKK being like protectors of cities, right? Because at least in this area where we're from with Darkytown, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of were like, yes, they, they separated people into this like Darkytown for people of color, right? Um, and mm-hmm. like the KKK actually acted as a protectorate between angry townspeople and angry people in Darkytown for like a generation or two. Uh, and then of course, you know, civil war happens, things mm-hmm. hit the fan, mm-hmm. the KKK becomes the KKK, et cetera, et cetera. But like, this is, this is, I don't, I don't know enough about Darkytown or similar situations to really discuss how the transition happened, but it seems like in a course of like a generation and a half, yeah. two generations, maybe it went from like an actual general protectorate mm-hmm. force to a force of oppression. Right. And my, 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 my largest guess is probably yeah. like, if you are in the KKK and you are meant to protect the people in like Darkie town from the people in the main town, right. And protect the people from the main town from the people in Darkie town, right. You're not going to be black. You're going to end up spending yeah. your time yeah. only intermingling with the people in the main town, not in Darkie town. And that's how they got Austria. Mm-hmm. That, that, mm-hmm. that is the step one in them being mentally ostracized so that you yeah, no longer do yeah. protecting um because if you only hang out with the people in the mm-hmm. white part of town right then there could be a little fly on the wall uh, voice in your head that goes well if if you're protecting both of us from each other how come you're always just over here maybe you're only protecting us from them yeah you know yeah absolutely absolutely um I do feel that if it was more of a <laughs> cosmopolitan organization, that it it, it could have probably uh, ended a little bit differently. It would have probably just ended outright instead of <laughs> becoming what we now consider the uh, the white the terrorist organization. That's pretty good. Thank um, you. That's 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 good. Yeah, <laughs> like the the quadruple K for certain. Oh, that's, that's, that's cosmopolitan so Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> But you know, I'm gonna get shot. It's okay, you, you don't live close to Darkie Town anymore. You're safer. Uh, but <laughs> I do not, <laughs> luckily. Um, no, no. But to think about this, since we are talking about protectors, right? I always think about IDF, as I have numerous friends who yeah. live in the state formerly known as Palestine. Um, and uh, well, yes. they'll know exactly why I don't say its name because. Uh, uh, well, IDF soldiers who, I will say, Israeli Defense Force, in case anyone who's listening doesn't know, um, they are there to protect um, the nation state against the the belligerence of the former nation state. But they recognize the former nation state as an autonomous region within but without yeah. the country, like Navajo Nation, but a little bit more autonomy. Because if if a foreigner... Or if an American walks in a Navajo Nation, odds are they're not going to get killed. However, if an Israeli walks in to the the protectorate, I don't think we yeah. use that term anymore, the autonomous region of um, Palestine, there's a chance that they could be harmed. But more so for a Palestinian who's working in Israel, far more. So the IDF is supposed to be there to protect both, yeah. which reminds me of our conversation about Darkytown. However... There are, I would say, three 
Palestinians yeah. on the Israeli Defense Force, ethnically Palestinian. And I, that's probably that's probably an under. Yeah, uh, I'm probably underestimating that significantly. But I yeah. have never met a Palestinian who would win. I have not met. Um, I have not met a. I've met very few Israelis who are born in Israel or have lived in Israel yeah. who would willingly choose to join the IDF because they they're re- after the age yeah. of eighteen they're required to join military service for a set number of times, like most nations. Um, however, so I've noticed as well that it's usually not the younger enlisted guys who are racist and want to kill the the Palestinians. It's older enlisted guys, just like with the Marines. You have senior lance corporals and then junior lance corporals. They're the same rank, but some guys have seen combat, so they have technically higher rank and prestige. So they're telling these younger enlisted guys, oh, you don't know. You see you see this bullet wound? That's from one of them. That's from one of the radicals. And then getting indoctrinated, yeah. this is what's going to happen. Then a firefight happens. Then it confirms this. And then, and then they, they begin to hate and they pass yeah. it on. It's the intergenerational hate that none of them have ever actually encountered a belligerent Palestinian for the most part, but they, they've seen yeah. the result of um, what the government claims to be. This is going to sound super weird because it's not a directly correlative, but it reminds me of a, like a really famous biological experiment uh, where the name, the name escapes me. Right. But mm-hmm. you put five like, um, like apes, Right. Or monkeys, I don't remember which one. Um, not super big difference mm-hmm. in a tail or not. Uh, in like a cage with a ladder, right? Um, and you put bananas on the ground and feed mm-hmm. these monkeys, right? And then you put a banana at the top of the ladder. Um, mm-hmm. with the first time a monkey climbs the ladder to go get a banana, you spray the animals on the bottom with water. Um, and eventually. Mm-hmm all five of those monkeys will start beating up any monkey who tries to climb the ladder for the bananas because they don't want to get sprayed with water right mm. now imagine uh, this is a re- this is a real experiment yeah. right you take one of the monkeys out and put in a new one that's never seen it um the first time okay. it tries to climb the ladder they all beat it even though it's never been sprayed yeah. with water it now knows that you beat the monkeys to try and climb the ladder and then eventually, you've got five mm-hmm, that you replace mm-hmm, in place mm-hmm. again. You've got this intergenerational. Now you have five monkeys that have never been yeah. given the punishment of climbing the ladder, right? Like none of yes. these five have ever climbed the ladder and like been sprayed with water or seen the other monkeys sprayed mm-hmm. with water, right? But they all are trained to stop yes. them from climbing the ladder, even without like um, ever experiencing the problem. Like ever experiencing the, the the punishment, which isn't exactly directly correlated. It doesn't say a lot, but like, I like to make my podcast get weird with it. So there you go. Have your fun science experiment, kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely, and yeah, addition that that very much relates to this. Um, so like, yeah, I've just noticed that that people who live in in the autonomous territories of Palestine. Um, hope I don't get like removed <laughs> from governmental service in the future for saying Palestine. I, I I'm daring enough Palestine. to say trans rights on the podcast. But, I'm not commenting on this one. Um, <laughs> I want to be a I want to be a professor in the future. We're going to leave that one lock and key. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so like, I do feel 
that some of these IDF soldiers, and then you have older soldiers who have this intergenerational trauma, but now they're officers and they see younger soldiers like planning something like, okay, if we see one along here, we're going to say he had a weapon and we're going to take him out before he can get us. And you'll have like uh, junior officers, like lieutenants who've, who've seen it, but they've, they've had like um, conditioning and, and whatnot. They've had to interact in, because in Israel, the weird thing about um, Israel slash Palestine, Palestine slash Israel, I'll put Palestine first, is that, is that yeah. there's not really a demilitarized zone. There's like on a map, there's the, the diagonal lines, which usually demarc the uh, demarc a demilitarized zone. However, in practice, that's just a place for for yeah. people to go to initiate conflict. It's not really. It's like a, a not a proving ground, but it's like if if two people show up here Hon- and so they don't the, greet each other, my in the brain same just language, said it's going so. It's down. not really a demilitarized zone as much as it is like a pre-militarized zone. Yeah, yeah, because you have people, um, Jewish people who live in the autonomous regions. You have Palestinians who live in Jewish communities who are, um, well, I guess I have to use this term, starkly anti-Semitic, because to be an (laughs) anti-Semite in Israel slash Palestine would mean you also hate yourself. Um, But people who are starkly against hate, so you have like settlers who you would think are oh, these religious people who oppose killing? No, these are the people whose fourteen-year-old sons and daughters go out with knives oh, and yeah. kill families full of Palestinians um, because they feel the land belongs to them. And their parents are like, "Well, you know, they shouldn't have been here. They shouldn't have taken our land while we were gone." That's like robbing. That's like robbing someone's house yeah. and then staying there until they get home. And it's it's it's. Oh, it it hurts me deeply because, yeah, young Palestinians, I've noticed, even old Palestinians, Palestinians of all age, cool, commit terrorist attacks. But I have never witnessed um, condoning of violent acts against innocents quite like some of the Israeli settlers um, condoning the actions as to they shouldn't have been here without any real ideological backing not even using religion for the most part, but saying they shouldn't be here because they're here. They're tying all their hate to spatial relation as though they wouldn't still hate these people if they lived in China. They just wouldn't have to deal with them. Just like an an American goes like, well, we don't necessarily, or or, um, white supremacists, we don't hate blacks necessarily. It would just be better if they lived in Africa. Yeah, that's not... you're, they you're make the tying stupid, your they hate make to arguments for it too. To, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Oh no! Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like it's, it's not it's true li- at all. Literally, the, the it, more you interact with these people, right? The more you realize they talk and act, especially the ones who are rhetorically and debate gifted. Especially the ones who are rhetorically gifted. They talk and act as if all of their policies on economics and politics and culture are to make society better. But if you present them with certain facts that say, mm-hmm, hey, mm-hmm. immigration is like economically good for the country in almost every capacity, except it marginally in a small way hurts high school dropouts. And this is like a, this, there, there's a very I, I don't remember the name of the study. I can get it for anyone who'd like it. Um, but there's this study where 
many, many, many studies by many, many, many renowned currently living American economists where in like even the people who are anti-immigration are like, yeah, no, immigration is good for the economy. Uh, and people keep making arguments that are like, we can't let these immigrants in because of the economy, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And you talk to them about it. And they have a bunch of arguments like this. They're like, oh, people from Mexico are violent degenerates. And you show them, not really. The problem is just sort of this broken drug war that we have going on that we can fix, right? Um, and you just, there's point after point after point of them saying things and you responding with, with uh, other things. You start to realize they don't care about the economy and politics. They just don't want black people here. Um, it's fucking crazy. They'll go so far as to be like, well, don't you think... Um, all the black people should live in Africa because it's hotter there and their skin is better at dealing with the sun. Uh, <laughs> and you're like, dude, you live in fucking Texas and you're white. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's hot. It's hot. It's, so it's bad, hot for everybody. Right. Um, and then they'll say shit like, well, you know, if the black people start breeding with the white people, right. Now you're going to lose the dark skin. Like, benefit that the black people have and you're going to lose like the blue eyes that the Aryan race has that makes them see better at night and they're talking yeah and they're and, and they're talking about they're talking about like night. um yo <laughs> and this is just, I don't I don't actually know if that specific thing is true I've just heard it before I've just heard that argument before they're talking about human characteristics as if they're like fucking stat buffs in a video game like the people with blue eyes like see marginally better and we can't race mix cuz yeah. people will be like their stats yeah. will be debuffed no 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 I I've, I've heard this <laughs> it's like bro you're, you're not min-maxing the build how are we gonna beat the fucking raid oh, boss yeah. if we race mix like like yeah the most well well just to address this for anyone who's listening and decides to look up um some scientific racism that we're discussing right now please don't worry about looking it up because two of the most disparate um groups of humans which are aboriginals or melanesians who live in um uh Oceania, Pacific, um, yeah. Pacific Ocean, uh, like Fijians, yeah, Tahitians, uh, Tani- Tahi- uh, yeah, um, and and all of these are distant from Africans, even yeah. though they are they are black people, and they they look black. These people are different. I talked with Dr. Eric Dickman, if anyone was listening on the last pod as well, um, about how my friends and I were often mistaken for for Fijians or French Polynesians because we could speak French and other Polynesian <laughs> languages and we just went with it so we wouldn't get beat I up. I mean that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> um uh, yeah but but like um because in Central Africa, right? Specifically in Democratic Republic, Republic of Congo, uh the Baaka, who are the pygmy people, um are more genetically different from other tribes like let's say people who speak lingala in 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 brazzaville these people are more dissimilar or in uh kikongo in brazzaville are more dissimilar living 60 miles apart than um, a person from siberia is to an american in appalachia because they've been in the region for so long and have had little intermixing so um, this doesn't actually accomplish anything, genetically speaking, for the people who often say, <laughs> well, Kenyans are so fast because they have an extra ligament. I was like, no, that's not human. Yeah. There is a possibility of having an extra ligament in your arm. 
where it's no longer necessary because we don't we're not we're not uh um we're yeah. not brachial locomotive we don't swing through trees but to have an extra ligament in your leg would detract from yeah. the ability to run you would reduce the ligaments in your leg uh to to reinforce the singular one that is necessary down to the achilles you wouldn't have more yeah, ligaments 100%. that would risk um, injury i'm thinking of other things that i've heard and like the the um because while we're on the topic of like hey guys don't race mix for stat bonuses or whatever right and you like um literally there are mm-hmm. studies proving that like there are chances that because we live in america which is a melting pot me and like another white person living in america are like mm-hmm. statistically um it's statistically likely that we are more different than like me and a black person in america would be um for a lot of different areas uh that being said also because of mm-hmm. how viruses and autoimmune mm-hmm. disorders and things work breeding between races is actually legitimately better for survival oh yes like like it's 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 the most important thing if we all inbred we'd all Necessary. die that's, that's how biology works <laughs> just to just to clarify for the audience yeah yeah, yeah. yeah exactly right because we'd all have the same exact um, genetic deficiencies uh that being said like we can keep talking on this yeah, yeah i am just like putting this out there i have one last point i want to talk about on the internal article radicalization before i'm good to cut it like we can okay. spend as much time as we need but i have like one more good thing to bring up Okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, so so just to continue on this for a little while longer, um, like I think of, I, I often think of the dissonance, especially in an area of Georgia. Um, we'll say the radius of, of the area where I live is about 800 miles. So it includes other states as well, just so that no one tries to kill me. Um, but but I've noticed people will often say, yeah, I don't, I don't really like, she's, she's pretty for a black girl, you know, blah, blah, blah. And be like, well, you know, you know, those mixed babies are nice. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't date a black boy or a black girl. I'm like, so, so you want a mixed baby. I've I've noticed this. People want like like multi-ethnic children, but they don't (laughs) want the partner who would help bring them a multi-ethnic child and it seems like they don't like them once they hit puberty they just say oh they're so cute yeah but i i don't know black men are like too aggressive <laughs> and it's like I, I, I don't know how you're gonna accomplish this uh <laughs> if you're stealing babies if you have like a they're, breeding they're facility like, all we need to do for people who are not so racist babies, but, but only it, mixed kids <laughs> it's so bad yeah it's it's really problematic for me because because then they use examples right like there's there's a family of um of multiracial um guys who mo- yeah they're all guys and i know them and my mother's friends with their dad and friends with their mom who are no longer together but they're like three brothers who are extremely athletic and they're the one of only two uh <clears throat> multiracial families yeah. at my old high um, school so it doesn't help the argument it doesn't and the other one is like a yeah. is like a basketball player at like a d1 college uh who who's the other family um, and but their little brother is unathletic so they're like oh, oh is he really your brother and i'm like nah nah you can't be disowning this man from someone else's family because oh, yeah. he doesn't fit with your racist assumptions about <clears throat> this no, no, I, I, I see like all the time. As you like, see it. and then you get these harsh ideas reinforced, like accidentally, because the real world makes no sense, right? Like, um, 
my dad always tells me the story because my dad went to school mm-hmm. in for high school in like middle of shit nowhere wisconsin right um and when he was in high school okay the okay. first black guy moved to town and broke every school track and field record they had in less than a year yeah. and a half <laughs> and you're like oh ah uh, dang it. life is a mysterious beast because <laughs> at, at the at the same time you want to sit here and be like man we can't keep reinforcing these stereotypes because then mixed babies who aren't athletic are gonna get gonna get fucking de-owned and like you're just gonna get rid of this kid for like not fitting the stereotype but also like this man broke every track and field record in their school in like a year and like yes that doesn't prescribe to the race obviously That's but true. for the lesson formed it very easily reinforces the stereotype right uh, which is a problem, not one I'm particularly aware of how to solve. Of course, uh, but it does. It, like you see stuff like that all the time, and you're like, "This is." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to be um, trying to push forward uh, these non-stereotypical messages when someone can just pull out an anecdote like that, and then you have to be like, "Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> absolutely." Yeah, and and just to bring out like maybe one okay. last anecdote, I had a friend, and he's comfortable with yeah. me saying this. His name was Abraham. He came from Kenya. Right. And then our, our former yeah. um, university, I suppose your current university is it had a cross country team whenever I went there and then it got discontinued. But the coach went to Kenya to sort of trial out a runner that another coach was telling her about. And then she was coming and then he got to like uh, the center of the of the town where he's going and the, the people in the village where he was going. Only she um, could uh, speak a language, could speak English, and her family couldn't. So he he was like not gonna make her translate because it looked unprofessional. So he needed someone who spoke obviously Kiswahili and the indigenous language. So <laughs> that my my dear friend Abraham was there, and he was like a construction worker. Yeah. He was like he's really intelligent as well. I think he already had a degree as well, but he is like ah you know yeah. I've built plenty of houses. Like he, hey, he that's was like an honest living, too, and Hell he yeah. was like he was like an architect, and he was he was doing, yeah, he was he was doing what he was doing, but he also happened to speak several languages, so he he like noticed this guy and he was waiting for his translator, so he just like walked up and pretended to be a translator. He's like, hey, you need help? And he's like, yeah, yeah, because you know that's what that's what <laughs> Islander and and kids in villages do. You just finesse <laughs> old people out of their money by telling them you have a service <clears throat> that you can do. But yeah, he walks up. He's like, "Look, I'm the only guy in this town who does this," and then he like awkwardly side eyes like a dozen other people in the corner that can all do the same shit. <laughs> yeah, so so he took him to the village, right? And he goes like, "Ah, what do you do on the way?" And then he was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm a cross country coach. Do you run?" And Abraham just out of pocket, absolutely. Um, are you fast? And he goes like, "What's fast?" And he like gave him times and kilometers, and he goes like, "Yeah, I can do it." And then the coach left, right? Abraham, uh, not a runner, right? A, Abraham's a small guy. He's like 110 pounds, 5'5", five, five maybe. So he, he has the build of a runner. But that's not because he's Kenyan. That's because he doesn't need a lot. <laughs> uh, so so Livad starts training, starts training. You know, it's easy enough. He just doesn't take the car. All the roads are wide enough for people to run on them. Everything's within like seven miles, but there's not like the yeah. chance somebody's going to hit you with a car off the road because it's a common thing. So he's just running everywhere, everywhere. Coach comes back like, I don't know, six, seven months later. 
uh, Abraham <laughs> becomes the fastest guy on our university's team uh, simply for the fact that he wanted not to be in Kenya for a little bit. He was like, you know what? I'll, I'll explore. So it wasn't because he was Kenyan that he was fast. It's because he literally had yeah. nothing better to do. And I think that's what Americans <clears throat> often underestimate. It's not that these young black men are athletic. These young, young European men, young Asian men, and women are athletic in or good at math or good at chess. It's that they literally come from a place to where either they succeed in this, they sell yeah. drugs, or they go back home or to prison. You you have those yeah. two choices. So you can come, not you specifically, but you as a as a as a young athlete can come and be the fastest person at your school because you're competing yeah, against a right? bunch it's, of other people. It's this whole it's only whole have to try mediocrely. Like, look. Because and then, of stuff like school yeah. prison pipelines and like over policing and all this shit, I have to, or they, you, not like me myself, right, has to be on the grind for fucking years straight mm-hmm. for any chance at success, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. To the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just, I just noticed that because like at my school, as soon as I got to my high school, uh, the coach like came up to me. Um, I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not joining any teams. I'm not, I'm not doing that. And then someone was like saying the N word around the corner. I came around and I said, what'd you say? And you know, he said it again. So I like, <laughs> yeah, this was like I don't know. The guy was like six, two. <laughs> like, you've seen me. I'm like five, three. Uh, so I like, I like, <laughs> I like, I like picked him up and threw him on the locker. And the, the wrestling coach happened to be the ISS teacher um, uh, in school suspension for anyone <laughs> who is uh, doing their school online. And doesn't know about this. Uh, so he, he runs out. And he goes like, Miller! And then he grabs me and brings me in. Go to the principal's office. This isn't going on your record. But you're going to be in ISF for two days. And this man nags me. <laughs> hey, hey, I can get you out. This won't be on your record. Anything. Join, uh, try out for the rest of the <laughs> Come out. And then beat the varsity guy in the weight class. And I was like, I literally oh, yeah. am not a violent person. I just don't need this on my record. I, I just I just want to do schoolwork. I'm not trying to be on the wrestling team. Can I leave? And he goes like, oh, no, no, no. All you have to do is try out. Now that you've proved yourself, you're not leaving the team. And so started my uh, my my four, <laughs> what, three-year trip with uh, wrestling at the high school level. Damn right. Refused to take as, a scholarship to college done. and then went to a liberal arts. As should be done. Yeah, but like that, that's one example of why I, I wasn't the best by any means, but I was the best in the moment whenever I needed to be yeah. in order to avoid, Function, I, mean, yeah. I guess, incarceration, so to speak, um, which is, yeah, which is why I think like, like probably for yourself as well, you're going to be um, a biology professor, get a PhD and do everything because your other yeah, options no, I, um, aren't palatable. Personal experience, aren't I used to want to go into medicine, want. right? Um. And I, I realized that I was kind mm-hmm. of being pushed that way by this ideal that like my monetary, like my value as a person was tied, like, like very intertwined with my ability to make money. Right. And I realized if I tried that, <laughs> I was going to yeah. end up a depressed, like shell of a person, honestly. And like, it's not that I don't want to help people because I, I want to become a professor for the purpose of like educating people and trying to make the world a better place, you know? Uh, 
this is what I want to do. I want to foster discussion like this. I want to attempt yes. to make the world a better place in, in whatever way I can, while still maintaining that making the world a better place uh, also includes me being happy, right? Um, which is why I stopped doing like uh, looking into medicine. Like, yeah, I, I have Absolutely. probably the physical ability and mental ability to like acquire like an MD, right? <clears throat> If I decided to put mm -hmm. my, like, I'm, I'm academically gifted relatively. Of course. You know, I can put myself to it and, and, and get through it, right? Um, but it's much less palatable than other options. But I've been, like, blessed mm -hmm. enough and privileged enough to where my options are, like, am, what thing am I going to go to school for, not am I going to get to go to school, right? Like, I, I and I can acknowledge that I've been exceptionally yeah. lucky in that, uh, in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, go for absolutely. it, dude. You know, 50 Cent, just to, just to quote Fiddy real quick, he says, he says, talent is good. Talent will get you far. Talent will get you to the NBA. Oh, yeah, But 100%. hard work will beat talent hardly working any day. So, like, it, just because you can, based on your work ethic and your talent, get to medical school, you're not going to put in the same kind of hard work you will for your actual, now that yeah. you have this mindset that you're not just trying to earn the most amount of money. You're trying to be happy and provide happiness. Now, if you went that path, yeah, you, you would get now that most medical schools are, are pass fail as well. Um, you would definitely get there, but I don't think you would yeah. you, now with your current perception. Um, put in the hard work you would be yes. relying wholly on talent which is why Ability so many positions burn be out position. because they're like oh i have i have the the i have the intelligence the mental ability to do it but i don't have the mental yeah. endurance i don't have the mental endurance to, to do continue it this because way especially in this time with this coronavirus what i want to be doing right because the mental like strain like we all know yes. you're sitting there doing like a like a like a task you really enjoy doing like a hobby or like a game you really like, or like a, a job that you find genuine like mm -hmm. like value in, right? Or that you find to be fun, you're in a better mood. You are more excited to do yes. better, harder work because you are like motivated by your joy and by your passion for the subject matter, right? Um, which like physician burnout for a lot of people happens because the conditions we put phys physicians mm -hmm. under are fucking crazy. And it's a high-stress environment, one of the most high-stress jobs in the country, depending on what part of the medical field you're yes. into, right? Um, but also, like, sometimes people are forced that way because of things like the last 15 years of, like, all women must go into STEM propaganda um, kind of stuff, right? And I know tons of women who are going into, med who are going into medicine that are yes. really passionate about it at our school. And I think those people should go into medicine. And then I know tons of women who are really mm -hmm, passionate mm -hmm. about biology and are really passionate Absolutely. about um, certain aspects of medicine or whatever, but they're not going to be a professor or somewhere where they could continue to follow in these things they're passionate about. They're going to be a vet for the money. Uh -huh. And I'm like, you're going to get burnout and you're going to, and you're like, it's going to, yeah. Eventually you're going to regret the fact that you went for the, went for oh, the yeah. vet, right? Like yes, you'll be able to retire earlier than me. I want to be a college professor. I'm not going to get to fucking retire. Uh, but I think you're going to get burnt out. And that's what I was terrified of talking mm -hmm. to the same mutual friend of ours as discussed earlier. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a wild, wild world, you know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think the same thing. Yeah, me. go for it. It's, the thing is, it's, it's a good closing point for the argument because we'll it's, it's kind of like related to your last point. conclusion. Um,
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for me, right? Like I'm mostly, I, I'd say I'm a pacifist and whatnot. But you know, you know, I, I do have a plan to to become like a, I'll say yeah. the uniformed services, which includes the military, but as yeah. well as the health corps and the NOAA, nice. which don't have guns. Um, I'm gonna be a pilot. I want to be a pilot for them. Um, and you know, uh, looking at everything, um, listening to my friends who are in the military, they're like, yeah, Matt, no, you're an intelligence officer because you can do it. I was like, sure, it'll be easy. All I have to do is basically just maintain my fitness through the officer training schools. And then, and then one year of intelligence studies, which is just books, which I've been doing for the past, what, 20, 22 years of my life. Um, well, I'd say 17 years of my life. I've just been hitting hard books. Um, so I could, I could easily become an intelligence officer and then go through that, um, like six months of training (laughs) and then never tell anyone about it because my security clearance would be so high that I couldn't have friends or, or I could do, uh, pilot training, which I know very little about, like actually being a pilot, um, learn a, a skill that I wouldn't have gained anywhere else because I'm not paying for a pilot's license and uh, become that and then be that guy, even though it seems like the least likely thing for me to have done at any point in my life, uh, just because I, I want, I want to help in a way that I couldn't, right? Just because I can be an intelligence officer doesn't mean I'll be the best there, but I know if I put in the hard work to be this uniform service pilot, that yeah. I am only dropping in hard work because I have zero talent as yet confirmed. And because I've, I've once I pass OTS, like pilot training is 52 weeks. So there has to be no doubt in my mind that I'm going to make it through because by the first week's done, I'm like, well, I've already wasted uh, several yeah. months of my life. So they're not going to be a waste. I'm not going to drop out. So that's the difference, right? In, in intelligence, I don't even have to think that way. Because I'm just like yeah, absorbing no, we, we, knowledge, going to, to the classes and we just asking questions. Room, That's just college. Yeah. But now I have to do a physical skill, like, yeah. like being a, a biology teacher. Now I have to, I've learned pedagogy, but now I have to interact with other people or being a physician. I've learned it on a cadaver. I've been a resident. Now I have to treat something where i'm not told what the symptoms or what the condition is after yeah so now i have to trust my ability after once i get in the cockpit it's all on me if i mess (laughs) up hopefully i'm not in f15 where i have a sizzle with me because i don't want anyone else to uh to to take a pod by mistake if i make them yeah uh but yeah, like if I make a mistake, it's all on me and the $135 million jet yeah. that I take down with me. But, you know, I won't have to worry about that. Um, yeah, yeah. So I do, I do think that, that you wanting to be an educator is probably going to be harder in the concepts yeah. of most people than becoming a physician because you have the ability to become a physician. Yeah. So it's hard for most people to think, why would you willingly take a an enormous pay cut uh, to teach if i get to the point that i want to be i i in, they won't. Uh, they won't. i intend to be a college professor god willing in the vein of of someone like eric dickman who can make an actual impact that's the, that's the the end and end goal but like learning pedagogy and stuff like that like i i have to mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. 
luckily I've always had pretty fine natural communication skills uh, for like communicating ideas generally, but I'm gonna have to put in a lot of, like, as you said, I'm gonna have to put in a lot of mm -hmm. effort making sure I am able to convey the ideas necessary to people who may not be as knowledgeable as myself, which is something that is in many cases by virtue of how we run our medical systems, not super necessary. Uh, I'm going to put a lot of work to like learn things like that um, and take a massive pay cut and strictly speaking, probably take a cut in how culture views me because we massively value uh, medical professionals to, as opposed to college professor, uh, college professors and things like that. Um, but like, I think it'll be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I like how this podcast became like a, everyone follow your dreams, life advice podcast. Absolutely. That made me really happy. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, in defense of humanity is uh, attempting to defend every sentient being on right. this planet that's, for any well, of their wishes as long as they don't infringe upon that's, anyone that's, else. That's as close as you can get to my axiomatic value as possible. I love it. Indeed. Okay, so so we've we've covered okay. many, uh, many The last things. thing I want to talk about before um, leaving this podcast take us somewhere else, is um, another difference or two that I see in this idea of like leaving the left or leaving the right, right? To tie us back into this like internet politics deal because a lot of internet politics is about mm -hmm. optics and it's about image and it's about how people view you, right? Um, and you s see these big cases of mm -hmm. people saying, hey, I have changed my beliefs and I'm quote unquote leaving the left, right? Uh, which is the thing I think Candace Owens did like 15 years ago, literally, because she used to be a leftist um, mm -hmm. before like doing TPUSA stuff. And then recently there's a big um, long term, like long running, like has like half a million subs YouTube channel uh, run by a man named Hunter Avalone, who is uh, who has been a right wing conservative, uh, like kind of political kind of life commentator on YouTube for a while, who about a month ago, quote unquote, left the right um and he's not he's not like a hard leftist or anything right he still has some somewhat okay. traditionalist values but he's grown to be pretty mm -hmm. progressive socially speaking right um like the big shifter for hunter avalon if i remember correctly was okay. like learning about the lgbtq community and being like hey fuck the right for how they treat those people basically um and uh i find it interesting to look at how okay. yeah. on this like internet political radicalization spectrum the way people who leave the left and leave the right are treated differently because i think there's a lot more antagonism given by yeah. the right to people who leave the right than there is antagonism from well, there's, there's a lot of antagonism for people who leave the left uh like receiving antagonism from the left right but what i find interesting is how each side accepts the yes. other side into their team basically um because you look at cases like candace owens right you look at people like um i guess blair white kind of left the left and became right like the trans woman blair white there was uh there's another big um example whose name is escaping me but all of yes, the people yes. who left the left became massive right-wing people right they became figureheads right people like blair white who have hundreds of thousands of youtube subscribers mm -hmm. after becoming like a right-wing pundit people like candace owens who now works with turning point usa um can oh candace 
No, Candace Owens is an African American. Who is, who is Candace Owens? Um, I don't think I'm. She's not Australian. Uh, commentator in America who works uh, with like Charlie Kirk and PragerU and Turning Point USA. Candace Owens. Okay. Yeah. Um, she works for PragerU. Okay. Okay. Yes, I, she's been on like one or two PragerU videos where they bring her in. Oh, like the black oh okay, I'm the familiar. Can't be right. She's okay. one of those kind of people. Yeah. Um, but she used yes, to write like a, yes, I think like a leftist okay, newspaper okay. after college or something yes. like that, and used to write articles for like a leftist newspaper. Um, and she has become a big pundit, a big speaker, a big figurehead on the right. And um, as has Blair White, who has gotten to the point where like Blair White has even spoken with Ben Shapiro after like leaving the left and becoming like a prominent right winger or whatever. Still trans, yes. Uh, and she's like this weird trans denialism. It's still transgender, where, like, right? Blair White still. I think okay, she literally okay. thinks people aren't actually trans until they're like quote unquote passing as their preferred. It's really bad. Uh, I'm not a particularly big Blair White fan. I think she's kind of uh, the worst, but that's uh, that's a personal thing. I just don't like her politics too much. I think she's. Yes. Uh, well, it's 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 besides the point, right? But what you see is mm-hmm. when people leave the left. They, there seems to almost be a financial incentive because every major figure to leave the left and go to the right has immediately been employed, immediately been taken on podcasts, immediately been made into a like a, a at least minor figurehead for the right movement because they want to prop these people up and be like, look, they left the right. And then all of a sudden, they're making a bunch of money. <clears throat> And for me, that makes things a bit concerning because now I'm looking at these people and I'm going, okay, these used to be hard leftists and now they are hard on the right making a lot more money. Do they actually Mm -hmm. care about either of these political sides or are they profiteering, right? Mm -hmm. And then I see people like Hunter Avalone leave the right to join the left. And the dude lost like 50,000 YouTube subscribers over it. Um, like he's a very traditional conservative fan base, right? And that's fine. Oh like, no disrespect. Um, I, 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 you know, I, my political values are my own, but like, um, anyone can have whatever political beliefs they believe as long as they're not disenfranchising, disenfranchising others, right? But Hunter Avalon leaves, and because he has this conservative <clears throat> fan base built up in <clears throat> such a way, they all abandon him, right? he now at least in the short term is making less money for being true to who he is um and if you're i am less suspicious Mm. of someone who is making less money for being quote unquote true to who they are as if they are actually being true than i am of someone who is pulled over to the right and is making more money to be quote unquote true to who they are right um, and that's not like an accusation that the right is like buying people off or anything. Both, yes. both sides have people with money that buy people off. This is well known. This is how politics works, right? Um, but it's interesting to see how like the right opens their arms up with dollar bills and the left opens their arms up with conversation and friendship traditionally, at least in these internet circles, right? Um, like I can't comment on how this works in a broad scale across the, the planet mm-hmm. or whatever. But through like YouTube specifically, Hunter Avalon has now spoken to people like Vosh and members of BreadTube and is, while not a member of BreadTube himself by virtue of his less progressive, less leftist politics, is like a friend affiliate, right? Like he's kind of, he's like worth talking to at least um, because he's just a respectful guy, but he's making way less money now. 
Um, and I just kind of wonder what sort of things uh, like possibly motivate or inspire this leaving the left and leaving the right and the way we should be skeptical of people's reasons behind doing so. Just sort of like a little idea to throw out there as a, as a closing go to your own okay. research kids discussion question kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, since that's everything. Um, final remarks. Do um, you have any final yeah. remarks? Was that um, Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, anything okay. you'd like so to promote? A couple of things. One, um, everybody have a great day who's listening to this. Go out. Um, mm -hmm. Do what you can to make the world a better place than you left it, whatever small that may be. Two, um, while I may not know you personally, I love each and every one of you as people. Keep it up. Mm -hmm. Three, um, uh, by the time this eventually goes up, I may actually have content posted uh, on my anime analysis YouTube channel, Perpetually Preoccupied. Um, yeah, Perpetually Preoccupied. Go give me a look up. Uh, mm -hmm. I got a Twitter. I don't know. Um, I'll get around to posting up. eventually. Um, yeah, nothing too, too special. Thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I look forward to speaking with you in the future. Thanks everyone for your time. Yeah. This is a great uh, hour and a half for my Thursday. And uh, thank you so much. Indeed.